0: What's up, and welcome to episode three of Over and In the Ultimate Volleyball Podcast. I am your host, Bubba Hunt. Let's grow. Alright guys, welcome. Uh, I'm super excited about this podcast specifically for multiple reasons that I will get into, but I just want to first of all say thank you to everyone who listened to the first two episodes and shown me unbelievable support um, through this brand new journey that I'm going on. Uh, I have some very exciting episodes coming up, starting with this one, which is one reason I am very excited for this one. This will be my first podcast that will include an interview. And I don't want this to become an interview podcast. When I say that, I mean that every episode is an interview, kind of like, you know, Joe Rogan experience. There's a bunch of very popular podcasts out there who are strictly interviews. And I know that a couple of the volleyball podcasts that are out there are strictly interviews. And I don't want to become that because I want to be able to talk to not only coaches, but also players and parents. And so with that being said, On this episode, I will be interviewing one of my current players, and we'll get into more of that later. But I know I just said that I don't want it to be an interview podcast, but the episodes I have coming up that I'm very excited about are, in fact, interviews. We'll be doing an interview with a beach volleyball expert who I like to call beach volleyball royalty, Uh, and you'll learn more about that when that episode comes out. A couple of interviews I have scheduled with just some coaches that have been incredible in the positions that they've been in and they have had huge success. And not only do I want to talk to them because I want to be where they are at at eventually at some point in time, it's my dream to coach D one volleyball, but I also want them to talk to the players and the parents just to kind of give them an idea of what they're looking for and kind of how they need to go about the recruiting process or, You know, just to like reemphasize grades to players and things like that. But that being said, I do have some very, very exciting episodes coming up. I've been working very hard on getting not only this episode, but future episodes lined up. And I realize that it's been over a week since I released my last episode. I don't really have a timetable or a schedule on I'm going to release a podcast every week on this day, mainly because I have a five month old and sometimes that's impossible for me to control. But I promise you that this is not going to be a, you know, just two or three podcast and then quit. I want to be able to stick around and keep providing content for y'all. Uh, the, the feedback I've got from the first two episodes is that they were very helpful. And it is actually because of feedback that I am recording this episode. So very excited about that. If you do have feedback, uh, just, you know, let me know. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, or ideas for future episodes, and I'll be sure to get those on you know my list or topics that I want to discuss, or you know it might be something small that I already have something planned and I can throw in there, and that it doesn't have to be a full episode. Um, either way, any kind of feedback, good, bad, whatever, is highly recommended, and it not only makes me a better podcaster and able to create better content for y'all, but of course it's going to help y'all because at the end of the day. This is about listeners and what y'all want to hear and what y'all want me to talk about. So let me know whether that be Instagram message, Twitter message, Facebook, wherever, and I'll be sure I jump on that topic ASAP. But before I get into all that, I of course need to go over our digs and shanks for this episode. If you're new, every episode I do something called digs and shanks. Dig is something could be com- volleyball-related, not volleyball-related, that I am quote, Digging, there you go. There's a nice dad joke for you. And when I do shanks, shanks are is something that um, you know I'm not a fan of in my life right now, or that I just learned. Again, could be completely volleyball, volleyball related or not at all. My dig is actually going to be volleyball related. When I first started this podcast, one of the pieces of advice I received from the ever so wise YouTube was to join some volleyball groups on Facebook and things like that just to be able to announce my podcast, to share it. If people asked a question in the group or something that I said, I could say like, hey, I've talked about this in my podcast, which actually many of the viewers I have on this, or listeners, I would say, is from those very groups. And one of the groups I joined was Volleyball Coaches and Trainers. That's it. It's on Facebook. And it has been so helpful. I've only been in it for like a week. And it's not, there's 22,000 people in it. So when I first saw that, I was like, oh, definitely need to get in here so that I can share my podcast. And I just assumed it was going to be a bunch of, you know, random uh, semi-volleyball related stuff maybe, but it has been so, so helpful in so many ways that I didn't know I needed help in. Just like people sharing the drills they do or people asking questions that I, that I never, would never thought of as a coach or you know, just random things that have been super helpful and everybody's super nice in the group. Uh, They were talking about personality tests on there and I threw my Enneagram podcast up there and multiple coaches were like, thanks, like subscribed, like awesome, love it. And just being able to have that community and that support of 22,000 people that I don't know that are also volleyball coaches. Now, granted, there are quite a few of volleyball parents in there that will get on there and say... You know, my kid's the best kid on the team and they're not playing. Why not? So I will say if you're a parent listening to this, if you want to join the group, that's great. And, you know, just look at information like that. But if you're going to join the group in order to, you know, try to fight for your kids play time or something like that, that's probably not the best place to do it. So I will say that. But otherwise, if you're a coach or, you know, even if again, if you are a parent or a player, whatever, and you just want some insight on random things, drills. I mean, there was just a post that a uh, guy asked, you know, what's the best men's volleyball shoe out there right now? Or just random things like that. Then definitely go join it. Great group of people, great admins, super fair, super respectful, all that. And then my shank is not volleyball related at all. Um, so my shank is Texas weather right now. So I live in Texas. I live in the, I'll say DFW area. And today, it was 72 degrees, and it is just still staying so hot. And it is, it's the week of Thanksgiving. How can it still possibly be this hot? I do not understand it. No, I'm not expecting snow. I get it. We're not going to have snow here. We don't even really get snow in Texas. We just get ice. That's pretty much what happens. We get ice, and it makes the roads, I'm not even going to say sick, slick, semi-slick, and... People freak out, the whole city shut down, everything. It's a disaster. So I get that, but I just want, like, just give me 40 degrees. That's all I want. It's too hot. I, I I really don't like the heat, and I've lived in Texas my entire life. Well, I lived in Oregon for a year. I lived in Bend, Oregon. It's my favorite place in the entire world. I'd go back in a heartbeat if I could. But I've lived in Texas for most of my life, and I really don't like the heat. I would much rather prefer being cold rather than being hot, and so, but it just keeps staying hot and it's just really, 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 really hot. And I'm, I'm really over it. I really am. My AC should not be on in November. I'm ready just to turn the AC off so that our electric bill can go down and I can just be more comfortable, but it just stays hot and I'm over it. So my dig, super happy about it. The Volleyball and Trainers Facebook group, my shank is the super hot Texas weather and I am over it. So, let's get into our episode for today. So, the title of the episode is The Positionless Player. And I'm going to start off by reading how I came to the topic of this episode. So, uh, right when I posted that my podcast was live on my Facebook and everything, I received a comment from a guy that I coached his daughter last season for about half the season. We had a situation where we had to let a coach go midseason and I kind of stepped in and took over and I mean that season got cut short because of covid so but he has a daughter who was playing on the 14s team uh, amazing player she was super tall for her age and left-handed which if you are a coach listening you know that that is one of the holy grails in volleyball is finding just a left-handed player in general um and I come from a small club so The fact that she had height and was left handed made her, you know, super interesting for a coach to be able to have her at certain positions and be able to be more effective for the team. But he commented and asked a question. So he said, I'm just going to read it straight off the Facebook post. He said, Can you address the thought process that club coaches go through when evaluating a player and picking her position? One of the harder things as a parent is to understand. When you do all these private lessons for one position, but then another coach sees her as a bigger asset in another, what tips can you give to us parents to tell our kids how to deal with it? How do they keep working to get better when it may or may not be the position that they've played in, or to be blunt, don't care to play for everyone else. My daughter was fortunate enough to have played for Bubba for half a season before we got shut down from COVID. And she learned a lot. She had the chance to switch positions as she was shown from Bubba, how to effectively manage that. So, first of all, shout out. Thank you so much. Uh, I'm not going to use your name because I don't have permission to, but thank you so much uh, for the encouraging comment, not only for me as a coach, um, but also giving me this topic for this episode. So, he basically is asking, you know, I asked his daughter to switch positions mid-season, and she was a little nervous, and she finally took hold of the reins and made it her own, and she rocked it. Uh, She was playing middle, I believe is what it was. I know what I, what I switched her to. I switched her to a setter uh, and I, she was playing middle and she was a little nervous because again, you know, setter, you're going to be touching the ball every play, no matter what. But she had some private lessons with me on setting and she just had the confidence and took hold of it and it ended up being a great position for her. So he just wants to know like what went through my mind, not only mid season when I switched her position, but also, like what was going through the other coach's mind when he thought she was going to be a middle, you know, and why I thought that she would be better at a different position. So before I get into all the specifics, I'm just going to kind of go over the main points I'm going to make, which is the first thing I'm going to go over is what is the positionless player as I'm calling them? Uh, what are the benefits? What are the downfalls, et cetera, uh, dealing with frustrations as a positionless player, whether you are a parent or a player, as in, you know, you might not be used to this. And so what kind of, what kind of things can you learn, understand, think about when going through this transition? And if you're a coach, what you need to know when you're coaching these positionless players. So the first thing I'm going to start off with is what is the positionless player? When I say, what do I mean when I say that? Um, I also call these my Swiss army knives. And so in the Enneagram episode that I did an episode two, I kind of touched on this, that that's kind of a category I put players in is my Swiss army knife. Basically, they can do everything. Now, one thing I want to point out is that I said they can do everything. That does not mean that they do everything equally. So that does not mean that they are as good of a hitter as they are a setter. They are not as good of a passer as they are a hitter. If you are lucky enough to find someone who excels in every one of those things, then, I mean, that might cause some problems for you because you don't know where to put that player. But, you know, that that's fantastic. But that's not what I'm saying when I say they can do everything. When I say they can do everything, I mean that as a coach, you are confident enough to put them in a position or to put them in, you know, a certain situation in a game and you're confident that they will that they will be successful they will not cost you a game they will not you know cause something so catastrophic to happen that it's going to lose a match ruin your season anything like that uh if you follow any other sports there are these players professionally and numerous other sports um basketball first positionless player that comes to mind obviously lebron uh Luca for the Mavs. I mean, these guys that, you know, they're tall, they can literally play any position on the court. They can handle the ball well. They can shoot well. Uh, if you are into football as much as I am, first person that comes to mind and positionless player is Tyron Matthew, the honey badger. He can literally play linebacker, safety, corner. He can rush the quarterback. He can do literally everything on that defense. And so that's kind of what I'm talking about is a player that can, you can put them in any position, not saying that they, when you put them at a position, they will be the best at that position, but they will be able to be successful in whatever position you put them at. So the reasons I love positionless players is because that no matter what my lineup is, no matter what injuries I have, no matter what's going on in the game, I can put them in and I am confident that you know they will succeed. They will not you know, not know what's going on. Um, And I think that's the biggest thing with volleyball and having positionless players. It's not so much the skill. It's having the volleyball IQ in all the different positions. Because when you're a middle, yes, being tall is, is an advantage and having quick feet, being able to get out from pin to pin is an advantage. But, you know, like I work with middles. That's something I talk about to my middles all the time. You know, not just watching the ball the entire time. You know, middles don't understand... A lot of the times that as soon as the setter sets the ball, you don't need to look at the ball at all. You need to look at your teammate that you're blocking with. So you make sure you close that block, get all the way out to them, and then you need to look at the hitter. And so little things like that, you know, if someone has played outside their entire life and you threw them in at middle, they might be tall. They might be able to get pin to pin, but it's the little things like that, that they might not be the best at. Those little things that are going to, you know, close that block up that is going to save a point that it's the difference between a block kill and a kill. So those are things that I look at with positionless players. Not only do they have the skill, but do they have the volleyball IQ? And that's why I love having these position, positionless players, because I can put them literally anywhere. Normally, I'm going to say normally, I don't want people coming from my head when I say this Normally positionless players are better athletes. They they are the fastest on your team. They're the strongest on your team. And that just goes along with being able to adapt to any situation that you are in. In a minute, we're going to have an interview with a positionless player who is currently on my club team. And she is a phenomenal athlete. She's incredibly quick. She's incredibly strong. Um, and that's why I've she has been able to be successful in all these different positions. And she's been able to be successful at the position she's currently in, which we'll get into in the interview. Another reason I love positionless players is, and I'm just going to read what I wrote down here so I don't mess it up. Your team won't give up points when they have to do things during a match they don't normally have to do. So what I mean by that is recently, I went and looked at stats from last season when COVID hit and through half the season, because we were about to go do Colorado Crossroads, which would be spring break, we had given up, a set and a half worth of points off of ball handling errors. Okay. And these were not by setters. So when I take stats, which I'm sure I'll do an episode over taking stats or something at some point in time. But if there is a double, that's what I refer to as a ball handling error. Um, Or, you know, if a setter goes to set and falls into the net, you know, I'll type it. I'll type, I write uh, net violation slash ball handling error. I don't write all that down. I have shorthand for it, but There was a set and a half, so I think it was like, you know, 30 to 35 points, something like that, that we gave up because of ball handling errors, not by a setter. So what that means is that someone on the court attempted to take a ball with two hands, attempted to send a ball over, you know, with two hands, just setting it or whatever, and got called for a double. Mm -hmm. That was absolutely incredible to me and honestly changed my practice plans from there on out because... That is so many points to give up for a basic volleyball skill that you just assume that your players know how to do. I'm, I was coaching 17s last year and uh, yeah, that probably you're, some of you are probably like, geez, yeah, that's bad. You need to work on that or you should have worked on that already. And yeah, I know I got it. I'm taking care of it now, but just, you know, basic things where my girls needed to send the ball over the net that they wanted to do with their hands. But they would get called for a double almost every time. If you have a positionless player who has played multiples, multiple positions, setter, whatever, you, know, there's, you have more confidence that they're going to be able to do that. So like I said, the first thing I want to do is I want to bring on uh, one of my current players for an interview. This player has played for me for the past three years, and I've loved every second of it. She's a super fantastic player. She always works her hardest. She has played every position I have asked her to, which has been many. So uh, I'm excited to bring her on. And so for my podcast today, I will be interviewing one of my current players. Uh, Her name is Summer. So hello, Summer, and welcome to the Over and In podcast. Hi. Hi. Um, So the reason I invited Summer on here today was just that she is the definition of a positionless player. Uh, And so I thought it would just be good to, first of all, get the perspective from a player who not only has played many positions, but has also been asked to mid season at times and at school and club play different positions. So I thought it would just be good to get her perspective on things before I go into the coaches, uh, players and parents aspect of it as well. So, Summer, why don't you go ahead and tell everyone, just give us an intro just so, um, you know, your name, your grade, school you go to, um, and then, you know, when did you start playing volleyball?
1: All right. Well, my name is Summer Straley. I am in 12th grade, so I'm a senior in high school. Um, I've been playing volleyball since around like sixth grade, and, and I go to Central High School.
0: All right. So you've been playing volleyball for, you know, half of your school life. So, uh, you know, from sixth grade to 12th grade. So in that time, what positions have you played and go in order from youngest to oldest? So like, what did you start playing in sixth grade and kind of just kind of go down the line until now?
1: Mm -hmm. So in sixth grade, I played YMCA volleyball and I pretty much played all the way around. And that was when like, we wouldn't have certain positions. So wherever we were in the rotation, we play that position. And then I, my freshman year, I did club for TNT volleyball and they asked me to play middle. So I did that. And then pretty much freshman year, I was just outside, didn't play back row. Sophomore year, I was on JV. I played right side most of the time, but occasionally she would throw me in back row if someone was like shanking balls. And then junior year, pretty much outside and back row, played all the way, all six rotations. And then senior year, I started off playing outside and then middle of the year, she just asked me to become DS. And then I pretty much just played that for the rest of the year. Or season. All
0: right. So first of all, I'm a little yeah. upset because I thought that I was the first coach to ask you to play middle, <laughs> and now I'm finding out that you played middle before.
1: Sixth or freshman year. Oh, it doesn't That's, count.
0: Freshman year doesn't count. Throw it out.
1: Yeah, it was fresh that was freshman year for a bad club volleyball team.
0: And we'll get we'll get into it in a minute and why then. why it's a big deal that Summers playing middle. Um But, uh, so which position did you like best and why?
1: Um, I probably would say outside. I think outside the best, just because (laughs) this might seem a little selfish, but like you get the ball the most, honestly. And like, say like, um, the pass is bad. It's not perfect. The setters are looking for you to be the outlet. So you have to be able to get it in the quarter. Oh, hundred you know?
0: percent. Yeah. I mean, I talked about that on my Enneagram episode that, you know, outsides, you know, if I was looking at it, just Enneagram, they would be the seven because they always want the ball. They always want to be able to touch the ball. <laughs> um, so summer has played club for me for, this is her third year. And I, I think I want to say it was last year when she played, she was outside for me last year. And she, I, if we had kept track of number of attempts Per, you know, match or year or whatever, Summer would have set the record and I don't think it would be touched by anybody. (laughs) She swung an incredible amount just over and over and over because, like she said, that, you know, if, if the pass was off, you know, that is the number one target for most teams is they're going outside. And not only that, but she also, you know, put the ball down. She was averaging like seven, seven kills a set last season. And so, um, definitely a hundred percent outside. Like I always say, everybody always wants to be an outside. Um, So which position did you think was the hardest? Which one was the easiest and why on both of those?
1: Hardest is definitely middle because you don't have a single break. You're blocking or you're hitting or transitioning. Those are like your three things. You don't have a break. You can't like get off and cover unless like you're not there for the block or your uh, outsides or pin hitters are hitting, you know? Like you're either jumping or right, right, running. Right. <laughs> and then the easiest is probably DS. And that's just my opinion because you're either moving side to side or forwards and backwards. You're not really jumping, you know, and jumping's like a lot of, a m- lot more effort.
0: Right. A hundred percent. So like I said, Summer is playing middle for me this year. Um, and she didn't mention this because I, I don't, I don't blame her for not mentioning <laughs> this, but Summer, like myself, we do not come from tall people and uh summer i say she's five six when i write her height down summer is actually what is it like five four and a quarter or something like that five four and a half
1: (laughs) five three three and a half see see
0: even even when i'm trying to give you (laughs) real height i still try to add height um but five three (laughs) uh and she's playing middle for me and i know that that sounds crazy uh but first of all summer's got hops summer can get up there and she puts the ball down um and so that again kind of goes into this positionless player. Um, so next question is, which I have done this to you in the past, and I mean basically, and I'll tell the story here in a minute of how you came to play middle this year. But um, a coach comes up to you, uh, could be you know club tryouts, could be you know middle of the season, whenever, and ask you to play a position that you've either never played or you never practiced, you never had privates for, or like maybe you know, like with middle and I'm just finding this out, like, you know, you played freshman year. So like in your mind, like, yeah, you hadn't played that position before. So like what goes through your head? What's like the first thing that you think of when a coach comes up to you and asks you that?
1: Well, at first I was definitely like nervous. I didn't have as much confidence because like, I didn't know how to do any of this stuff and it was just like a whole new role. Very, very new, but I feel like at this, like once I started getting into it, like no matter what, everything's going to take practice. Like you're not just going to get it off the bat. And I I had to remind myself that constantly, like I would probably get a little bit frustrated if like I wasn't there or um, like I would miss a ball or didn't go up and block, probably get a little frustrated. But then I'd remind myself, like, I'm just starting to learn this. Like it's going to come in time.
0: Right. Yeah, hundred percent. And so, uh, on my Enneagram podcast, when I was talking about the ones I had on my team, Summer is a one I have on my team who is, you know, very right and wrong. And so, yes, when she first started playing middle, the first couple of practices, you could tell she was getting very frustrated just because she wanted to do things right, and it wasn't her fault. It was just the fact that she had never done it before, and it, it was a completely new thing. And so, that's something I had to keep reminding her, and still have to remind her at every practice. Is like, hey, this is new to you. I get it. You know, I'm just we're just trying to help and we're just trying to help our team as best we can. And so how summer came to play middle was over before season started. We had what we called training camps. It was once a week. And I just, we didn't have a middle for, we were going to play six on six, didn't have another middle. And I asked summer, I said, Hey, can you just step in and play middle? And of course, summer, because she is the positionless player, she didn't care. She said, yes, of course, like hundred percent. And summer for the rest of that training camp for about 30, 45 minutes played middle and I think she... I wrote it down. At, I have it somewhere. I think she s- hit the ball 12 times and she had 12 kills. She was hitting 1,000%. And she had like 4 or 5 like block kills. And she didn't even realize it. She's just having a good time. And so I made the comment to her. I said, hey, uh, I'm thinking you're going to play middle. And she just laughed and said, yeah, okay. And that lasted for, <laughs> I don't know, a month and a half. And I just kept putting her in at middle. And she just kept saying, okay. And she would just go have fun. And I think it took a month and a half, two months for her to realize that I was serious. And once since since she's been a middle, I mean, it's been nothing but fantastic. And we have our first we have our first uh tournament coming up in about a month. Um, and so that will be, you know, first true test. But she's right, like that's something that she wasn't used to, like how much jumping and how, like she said, like there's literally no break. It's you are you block every ball, you need a transition, and my my offense runs through our middles, and so she needs to be the focal point of our offense it's just she has to kick off and go back in because that's 100 exactly right so next question is are you happy that you've played all these positions because the only position you honestly haven't played would be setter because i lump libero and ds together and so you've pretty much played every position so are you happy you've played all these positions or do you wish you would have specialized in one position
1: I'm honestly very happy that I've done all these positions because, like, I can, I'm like a utility player. Like, if you need me anywhere, I can be there. I've had the experience in pretty much every single spot except, like you said, setter. And, like, I don't know. I feel like if I was asked to be anywhere on the court, I would have the confidence to go out there because I know I can do it. I've done it before. I know I can do it. But on the flip side, I wouldn't say specializing in one position is a bad thing because like, we're always going to have our strength and weaknesses. Like we're always going to be better at one thing than the other. And if you keep practicing on that one thing, you're obviously going to be better and like less mistakes. A
0: hundred percent. I totally agree. And yeah. yes, like we do have, you know, even girls on our team right now who I have them at a position and, and we, there's no other position I could put them at and where they would be successful for our team. And so, you know, there are certain players which I'll get onto later in the podcast that um, you know, get get kind of pigeonholed in a position when they're in middle school because, you know, they're super tall, so they get stuck in at middle and they never leave middle for the rest of their career because that's all they know how to do. And then when they, you know, get up to high school and other girls become taller and whatever, they're they're stuck at this average height, but you know, maybe they don't know how to pass because they've always been playing middle and they've never had the opportunity even to learn how to pass because they've always been a middle from the get-go um so something else about summer she not only plays for me um she is also an employee of mine she is also a coach and she coaches She is an assistant coach for our 14s um so now that you coach yourself um not that you coach yourself but you are a coach uh what are your <laughs> thoughts on switching players positions or roles from what they normally play like if whether it be beginning or mid-season because especially with summer's team right now, she has a lot of talented girls who can do a lot of different things. And so, you know, so put on your coaching hat for a minute and, you know, kind of walk through the process of like, what do you think about switching a girl mid season? Are there, you know, cons pros, anything like that?
1: Mm -hmm. Well, first thing in my mind is like team before me, we got to think about what we can do, who we can put in what position that's going to make the team the best, best of their potential. And like, like I like the previous question. It's better to like diversify and know every position rather than just specialize in one. Like I guarantee that all of my girls could play any position because we we go through all the rotations. We make sure they're in a spot that they've never been, so they know what to do in case that actually happens. And on top of like COVID, we never know who's going to be able to play in the next tournament. And that's that's probably. Like the biggest thing is like everybody needs to know all the hundred percent,
0: especially with COVID right now. That's that's honestly the biggest thing with mm-hmm. um, having these positionless players. I think this is the prime time and the peak for positionless players because of COVID. You know, we have a couple of teams that are that are low that only have seven girls, and I mean, if one one goes down, that means you're playing. You know, you don't get a libero. All girls are playing all the way around, and you just kind of got to figure it out. Um, so, last question: uh, If there is a player or if there's a parent listening right now. Um, that's going through position changes and they're nervous or upset because I know some parents kind of get upset that, you know, she's, you know, she's an outsider. She's a this, like, that's what she plays. That's what she's going to play in school, whatever. What, what do you, what do you want to say to them about, you know, just at least being open to the idea or, um, you know, putting their effort at least into learning a different position or trying.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, same thing, like team before me, like if I know at the beginning you're not going to be really comfortable with it because it's new to you, but at the same time, like make, like, make fun of it. Like, like think of the positive, like, Oh, I'm trying something new. Maybe I can get better at this. And like on a parent's point of view, like same thing, like team before me, we're thinking of the team rather than just that one person. If that one person wants to work on what they were doing previously or what they're going to be doing in school, then yeah, maybe we can do like some privates or in the middle of practice, like maybe throw them in there every once in a while, you know, but we're, as a coach, we're thinking of what is going to make the team better. What's going to make the, everything go smoothly. What's going to make us win. And that's probably the biggest thing. Like if you're nervous, like just know, like, like know that you and the coach know that you've never done this before and just have the confidence and like, pick yourself up, be like, Hey, I got this. Like, It's okay to make mistakes. Everybody makes them just move on from it and then just see where you go from there. And then if it's not the best decision, maybe the coach will realize that and then put you back where you're supposed to be or where you're right.
0: And I mean, everything that she said is stuff that either I've already touched on in this podcast or that I will touch on. And so honestly, should have just probably made this interview, the intro for it and just kind of wrapped it all up after that. But Summer, thank you so much for, Uh, Taking time out. And and I know you are already tired of hearing my voice enough at practice. So thank you for coming and uh, and spreading your wisdom and knowledge to the people listening. And we really appreciate it.
1: Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me.
0: So the main reason that I interviewed Summer is that I just wanted to, first of all, get a player's perspective on, you know, switching positions from year to year, uh, mid-season, things like that. And it also helps tremendously that she is a coach as well and so I just wanted to be able to hear from an actual player because I know a lot of times you listen you know to podcasts that uh, that maybe other coaches do and you say you know that when a player changes positions they think this or I I just wanted to be able to get a direct source and for y'all to be able to hear someone who has actually firsthand changed positions almost every year that she's played and what their thought process was before we get into kind of what the coaches think and what goes through the coach's mind and the parents and all that. So uh, again, thank you, Summer, for being on here. Uh, It took us like a week and a half to be able to schedule that, just because like I said, she is a phenomenal athlete. She plays varsity basketball. Uh, Last Saturday, we went on a recruiting visit. Uh, She got an offer, but decided that you know, she wanted to go to a different school that had classes closer to what she wanted to do. Uh, so we've just been super busy, both of us. And so being able to schedule that was kind of difficult, but thank you for putting the time in. And it's going to, I think it's going to help people a lot. And it definitely uh, was a great teaser for the rest of this podcast, kind of just the stuff I wanted to get into. So the next question I want to get into is, you know, as a coach, why do we pick the positions that we pick for players and why do we ask them to change? So the first point I want to make is that when I recruit, and again, I'm speaking from a club volleyball perspective, but it works the same for school. If a, you know, a girl comes in to try out or whatever, the first question I ask after, you know, name, you know, what year are you, what age are you playing is I say, what positions have you played? Notice I don't ask what position do you play? Or what position are you trying out for? I ask, what positions have you played? Now, that gives me a better understanding of the player's background and what they have experience playing. So, you know, that I know kind of what their skill set might be. Now, Summer said it best when it comes to the biggest point, I think, of the entire podcast, which is team before me and the team comes first and so as a coach i want everyone to understand not only players but also parents that it is not our goal to you know ruin your daughter's volleyball career or your volleyball career and make you play something that you've never played in your entire life or you know a position that you hate yeah i hear that most often well normally I play outside, but I really want to play DS or, you know, parents will come up to me during tryouts and say, well, she's played setter her entire life, but she really wants to be an outside. And trust me, it's not like all that goes in one ear, not the other. I hear what you're saying, but at the end of the day, coaches are hired for one thing and that's winning. Okay. And so, yes, we are to be mentors to the players Yes, where did, you know, my number one goal is that they walk out of the gym better better people before they're better players. But at the end of the day, especially at a school, school ball is is a different entity than club, which I've gone over in my first podcast, but especially in school ball, if you're not winning, you don't have a job. And so that's something that I think players and parents need to understand is that e- even if you don't agree with the coach, In general on a position or whatever know that their mindset is they want to win and yes they there are coaches out there who have been i know i have been in the past completely wrong on what i thought was the best way to win but at the end of the day we are hired in order to win when i again i'm the master coach of my club so i'm in charge of hiring and evaluating coaches my job is to hire coaches that will, yes, grow these players as better people. I mean, they could be the best people person in the world. They could be, you know, teacher of the year at their school. But if they walk into my gym and they are not producing results and these girls aren't getting better and, you know, we're not seeing, you know, higher and higher finishes and tournaments and stuff, then there's only one thing I can do. And that's because at the end of the day, our job is to, Put the best players on the court at any specific time so that we can win. And so I think that's the biggest point out of this entire podcast that needs to be taken away that it, first of all, if you're asking these questions as a player or a parent, the first thought needs to be team before me. And the, the guy who asked me this, I'm not saying I, I, I love this guy to death. He is a total 100% team before me guy. And not once did I ever hear him complain or his daughter complain about me switching their position. It's just natural to be curious. Like, what are they thinking? And a little backstory, you know, he's a baseball guy. Um, And, you know, I grew up playing football my entire life. And so if you look at any other sport, honestly, besides volleyball that I can think of, maybe soccer, you don't see position switches in any other sport like this. You know, it's not like if you're in baseball, a guy who's been pitching the entire season You know that that's what he's done his entire life be like uh you know what i think you're going to be a catcher for me this year or you know they've been playing first base and like "Uh, i think right field maybe you see things like that in the pros from now now and again or you might see that in uh, high school and everything but it doesn't happen as nearly as often as it does in volleyball especially in football you're never going to see you know a quarterback who you know is is trained his entire life from peewee football to play quarterback you know his senior year of high school say i think you'd be better at safety you know that just doesn't happen and like with with summer in the interview you know she had never well i thought she had never played middle i'm just kidding uh you know i asked her to switch to middle something she had never done her senior club season when she is you know going for a scholarship she's going for a spot on a team and i asked her to switch positions so that's just not something you see in other sports so that's the first question I asked. I know that was a really long first point, you know, what positions have you played? Um but as a coach, I think it's important to understand where I'm coming from and why I asked that specific question. So if you are a player or a parent, like I said, please do not come up to your coach and, you know, try to advocate for a position. Like I we understand as as coaches And again, when I say this, I'm saying this as in I'm assuming that it is a well-trained coach that, you know, knows what they're talking about and all that stuff. Because, again, I know there are bad coaches out there, but when a coach, I I can see a girl play for five minutes and I can tell you exactly what she's good at and what she's not. And so we don't need, you know, the player coming up and begging to be in a position or the parent coming up and begging for their player to be in a position because we understand we get it. Yes, we will listen to you and all of your, all all of your feedback is heard and we will evaluate it and take it in consideration. But at the end of the day, we are going to do what's best for our team and something else that, you know, I've, I've heard in the past and in the last couple of seasons is, you know, parents just think that, uh, us as coaches are out to get their daughter and making them play a position that they don't normally play. And honestly, the most common thing is that they don't want to play that position. And I think if that's the case, that you know, if you don't trust the coach and if you are just so opposed of playing a certain position, then then maybe it's best you leave that club, leave that team. And I know it sounds like I'm preaching or, you know, whatever. But I think this is important stuff that players and parents need to hear. And for parents, if you don't trust the coach and, you know, you talk to your kids on the way home from practice, on the way home from tournaments, and you're expressing this distrust in the coach, that's going to, you know, leak into your player's mind. And also, if it leaks into their mind, then it's going to go into the minds of everyone else in the team. And then you're ending up with a really bad situation in a, in a really hostile team simply because one person or one parent might not have wanted their player to play a specific position. So, my advice to you is if it's that big of a deal, if you if you don't like being in that position or if you feel like the coach is making a big mistake, then then leave, you know? And if you think that if if you might say, "Well, they can't quit quit school ball because it, you know, a works with their schedule or we can't quit club because they have, you know, dues to pay and we, we can't just throw that money away. Well, at the end of the day, if they're still playing, if they're, you know, getting work in at a different position, I think summer was a great testament to it's okay. It's going to work out because you having those skills as a player, when you go to the next club or the next school or whatever is going to help you. I could literally put summer in any position uh maybe not maybe not setter. If you're listening to this summer, sorry. Uh but maybe not setter, but I could put her literally in any position on the court and it would work out. Also, with this season specifically, understand that COVID is such, you know, a big deal to coaches that we need these positionless players that we can plug and play in any position because a lot of times I guarantee you there are gonna be multiple tournaments where we, my girls are gonna have to play different positions, or we might actually have to pull out of tournaments. I, I know a lot of teams probably will because, not even if their girls have COVID, but because they're on quarantine. If you're on quarantine, you're required to miss more time than if you did have COVID. So that's something I'm telling my girls all the time: wear your masks. You know, I don't care what your beliefs are. If you believe it's it's real or not, you know, wear your mask. It doesn't matter. Just so that you can be there for your team. Because at that point, it's more than just about you and wearing a mask. It's about our team and us being successful. When I look at a player in tryouts, you know, they, I ask them what positions they've played. And I think a big factor of it is age as well. Um, The older they get, I think that's when they are going to be stuck in a more specific role. One of my biggest pet peeves in all of the volleyball world is when, I mentioned it in the interview with Summer when a girl is tall and in middle school. She is stuck at middle and she never leaves that spot and she is never taught to pass. She is never taught to handle a ball with her hands setting wise, anything like that. And that is one of my biggest frustrations because so many times girls come into our gym for tryouts, evaluations, off-season, whatever. They are of average height of every girl in there. And they only play middle. That's what they say. I am a middle. I only play middle. I have only ever played middle. And they never have the opportunity to play anywhere else because that's, that's what they were stuck in. And so now they're at the stage where they're a sophomore in high school and they can't pass. They can't set. All they know how to do is to run a one and run a three. And that is terribly heartbreaking for me as a coach because This girl could have been so much more. And yes, I I can teach a girl how to pass. I can teach a girl how to set and that's fine. But when it comes to club volleyball, you know, I always say that, you know, as a club coach, as a club master coach, you know, school is when you work on your, uh, you know, mechanics and learning different things like that. But when it comes to club ball, you know, I need a girl who's who's ready to play. And so I can't have a girl walk in that says she's been a middle her entire life. And then, you know, I need to put her at outside, but I have to teach her the outside footwork. I have to teach her outside blocking. I have to teach her all those things. So it's so much more beneficial for you as a player or as a parent to have a player who can do a little bit of everything. My dad has always called me the jack of all trades and the master of none. I can do pretty much anything really average. Any sport I've ever played, I can hang. Okay, I'm not going to be the guy that gets a scholarship. I'm not going to be, you know, I was never the guy in football that you know could have gone to the pros. If I would have worked harder in football, which is one of my biggest biggest regrets that I didn't take it more seriously, you know, get in the weight room more. um, That's a whole topic for another episode because I believe social media has greatly um, pushed young athletes forward to be better and to be greater. But if, if if I had worked, I could have, I, I believe I could have got a D2 or a D3 scholarship somewhere um, for playing football. But I just didn't take it seriously enough. Whatever sport I did play, whatever hobby I was into, I was, you know, good enough to hang. So, I mean, if that train follows, then uh, this podcast will be pretty average and I'll be able to hang and be able to make a decent podcast with a decent following. And that's about it. Um, but my dad has always called me the Jack of all trades and the master of none. And I would rather have a girl on my team who, you know, we'll, we'll just middle is the one that keeps popping up, but cause that's the one I feel like girls get stuck in the most. I would rather have a girl that played middle for a year and a half, but also played outside, but also did this, this, and this rather than a girl who has only played middle her entire life. Because if I, I mean, I, with my club, I've had injuries galore, the last three years and they're random injuries. It's not like, you know, we're doing something wrong in our program. It's, you know, most of the injuries actually happen outside of volleyball. And there have been times where I've had to plug girls in where they've never played before, or have little experience. So I would rather have the girls that do have experience in that, or do have the ability or the confidence to be able to learn something new rather than having someone who's just done one thing their entire life. You can ask anyone on my team. I have a phrase where I don't coach middles. I don't coach outsides. I don't coach setters. I don't coach liberos. I don't coach right sides. I coach volleyball players. I want a volleyball player. I want an athlete who plays volleyball and can touch any position on the court and be successful. That is what I want as a coach. So going on to, you know, switching a player's position mid season or beginning of the season, It all reverts back to team before me. We, me specifically, I'll speak from, you know, my perspective. I will put whatever players on the court and whatever position I think there needs to be in order for us to win. And for me personally, I hate losing. I hate to lose more than I love to win. Losing is the worst feeling in the entire world. If you hate it as a parent or a player, it trust me that it is 10 times worse as a coach. Um you can you can ask my wife after I get done coaching a tournament I am 10 times more exhausted than I ever was as a player playing an entire tournament because it's it's all mental, it's all emotional. There's there's just so much that I can't control and me being an 8 on the Enneagram, I am all about control. And so, you know, just being able to stand to the side and uh, lose my mind over this game that's going on the court and i have no control someone with that much desire to win is not going to put your player if you're a parent or put you if you're a player in a position that you will not be able to succeed just because we think it's just cool that you're playing a position but like I said before, it, it a lot of it is age as well. So the, the younger the girl is, the more apt I am to move her positions um, just because that I know that she has not been stuck in one position for so long and I want her to be able to develop these skills. And if you are being switched positions mid-season or a new season, then yeah, see if there are privates you can schedule with that coach that is switching the position just so that you are able to work with that coach specifically so you know what they want out of that position if you're in school and you know you're switching positions see if locally or at the club you play at that there are privates that you can schedule so you can work on that position. there are multiple girls at the club that I work at that I do privates for that you know it'll be school season and they'll want me to work on you know privates for what they're playing in the school season but I know that when they come to club, they're going to be playing a different position on the team that they're on. And so we'll work on both of those or vice versa. It doesn't matter. There are ways to be able to work on all of these different things so that you can be successful in whatever season you are in. But again, I'm going to say it a million times. I'll say it till the day I die. I don't coach individual positions. I coach volleyball players. Yes. If at a private or practice, we will work on these individual positions. Yes, hundred percent. But at the end of the day, I need you to be able to do everything. When I go over ball control, if I do setting drills, every player on my team does them because everybody needs to know how to put the ball over the net at least with two hands. If we work on passing, when we we do serve receive every practice. That is a one drill that we will do every single practice and every player participates. Don't care if you're a middle, setter, whatever. Every player participates in serve receive. So, that is kind of the biggest thing I want y'all to take away from this is team before me. And I hope I answered your question to the guy who asked me this. And I know it wasn't, you know, super specific for the exact situation that y'all were in. Um, But if you do want to talk about it more specifically, please give me a call um, and we can definitely talk about it. But again, if you have any other questions, comments, concerns, please send them to me on my Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Um, again, huge thank you to Summer, uh, for taking time out of her day to let me interview her. Um, and again, thank y'all so much for listening. Please reach out if you have any further topics you want me to discuss. I have a couple of great episodes coming up and I promise I will get them out to you sooner, hopefully. But until then, Bubba Hunt reminding you to keep it over and in.